Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor. Welcome to Ashling's America. It's me, Ashling, and this is a weekly glimpse into America through my very English tinted glasses. Having arrived in New York just over a week ago now, I'm starting to get my bearings in the local area around the apartment I'm living in. As unimaginative and sterile as I thought the street naming system was here, compared to the often woodland-related road names of Surrey, with streets stretching from east to west being named numerically from 1st to 220th Street as you move northwards through Manhattan, it has made finding my way around very straightforward, and this system can help give a good indication of the time it would take to get from place to place. That is, as long as you're heading north or south, I'm yet to grasp a concept of how long it will take to get places once I start wiggling between different avenues and streets, not to mention once I start darting around on the subway. A quirk of this naming system, which I'm yet to understand, is the naming of the avenues which stretch from north to south. First Avenue is the easternmost avenue in Manhattan, followed by Second Avenue and Third Avenue as you move west. However, Third Avenue is not followed by Fourth Avenue in Midtown Manhattan, but by Lexington Avenue, then Park Avenue, and Madison Avenue. Perhaps the city planners couldn't help themselves but express a tiny bit of flair with the street naming there. But then comes the most peculiar part. Madison Avenue is not followed by another named avenue, as you might expect, or even by 7th Avenue, which would make sense if you considered the named avenues to stand in for 4th, 5th and 6th Avenue. No, Instead, Madison Avenue is followed by 5th Avenue, and then 6th Avenue, and so on up until 12th Avenue. Looking online, you can find explanations for the meanings of the named avenues. Lexington Avenue refers to the Revolutionary War's Battle of Lexington. Park Avenue refers to the railway tracks which used to exist in its place, which were covered with grass in the 1850s. And Madison Avenue refers to President James Madison, who is the fourth president of the United States. And yet I'm still to find an explanation as to why there are three avenues separating 3rd and 5th Avenue. Well, I still have another six months to solve that mystery, so I'll get back to you when I figure it out. My acclimatisation to New York life has involved an unexpected number of trips to the supermarket, as I am limited by what I can carry home. On the plus side... Who needs an expensive gym membership when you can lug two full bags of shopping home on the subway instead? This came about as I found myself venturing further and further away from home in search of cheaper supermarkets. I have now frequented four different brands and begun to make mental comparisons between supermarkets here and the supermarkets back home. There's the one I'm never shopping at again because it's so expensive. There's the one that's a bit pricey but good for bits and bobs. There's the one that's a more reasonable price, but sadly further away. And then there's the cheapest one, which is great for household items and most foods other than your fresh groceries. You can probably allocate those descriptions to the supermarkets we have back in England quite easily, and I imagine we're thinking of the same ones. To that end, you might think that a supermarket is a supermarket. Well, I can tell you, an American supermarket is probably the biggest culture shock I've experienced since I've been here. They have become an unexpected source of wonder for me in the last nine days. I promise, I'm actually a really interesting person. Fresh off the aeroplane, I headed to a supermarket to buy food for dinner and breakfast in the morning. 
I should mention that in all these examples, I use the term supermarket because I've not yet succumbed to using the phrase grocery store. But these shops are much smaller than Surrey suburban supermarkets, but bigger than the express and extra convenience stores that we have. But anyway, fresh off the aeroplane and thinking with a brain that thought it was 11 p.m., not 6 p.m., I was confronted with the biggest onion I have ever seen. I enjoy using a hyperbola or two for comic effect as much as the next person, but I kid you not, this onion was the size of my face. And as this is radio, I can assure you, my face is of average size, but for an onion, that's pretty massive. I scan the crates of fresh produce, looking for an onion appropriate for one person looking to make a small amount of pasta sauce. I thought I'd found one until I read the label. In chalk, written on a rectangular piece of blackboard, was the word shallots. Well, as you probably guessed, those are the biggest shallots I've ever seen. Looks like cooking for one while trying to minimise food waste is going to be more of a scavenger hunt than I thought. Now, according to a cursory internet search, Brits love crisps, which doesn't come as a surprise to me, nor to you, I imagine. But according to a newspaper article from 2010, which was literally a decade ago, I know, terrifying, but I feel as if though the upheaval of recent times. Well, perhaps the only thing that's been constant is our love of crisps. Anyway, we Brits apparently consume six billion packets of crisps a year, which is no mean feat. The article attributes this to the fact that crisps go well with beer and are a great complement to sandwiches. Another British classic, apparently. For someone who likes to think of themselves as a free-thinking individual, well, this observation began with me looking for crisps to take to work to eat with my sandwich at lunch. So perhaps I'm more of a product of Britain than I thought. Still. My hunt for crisps to eat with my English cheddar cheese sandwich—trust me, it was worth the extra couple of dollars, by the way—and my beetroot sandwiches. Yeah, I really did used to think I wasn't a product of British culture. Brought me face to face with one of America's great deficiency in their supermarket selection: their crisps or chips, as they say. There are a wide range of tortilla chips, mostly plain or salted, which are probably great with salsa or guacamole, but pretty flavorless on their own. Or there are cheese puff type crisps, or vegetable straw crisp imposters. But there are no multi-pack bags filled with lunch-sized portion of crisps, and rarely do crisps venture into flavors other than salted, cheesy, salt and vinegar, or cheese and onion. Where are the prawn cocktail crisps? Where are the barbecue crisps? Where are the pickled onion crisps? Maybe the lack of selection is due to the size of the supermarkets I'm hunting around in. But next time you hear that satisfying rustle of a packet of flavoursome crisps, think of me at lunch with my dry, plain tortilla chips. I want to end this week in, week's instalment of Ashling's America with what might just be the most unnecessary and yet genius invention I have ever seen. In one of the supermarkets I explored, the tills were on the ground floor, but the vast majority of the products were on the first floor. In my experience in England. Supermarkets on two floors either exist in smaller supermarkets where people tend to just be using shopping baskets, but there are always lifts for those using trolleys, or in bigger supermarkets where there are sloped travelator-type escalators to allow you to transport your trolley between the floors. Well, hold on to your trolley because America has provided the world with something I did not realize we needed—a separate escalator, especially for your trolley. No more holding your trolley while you glide upwards. No. Instead, stand side by side with your trolley as it glides smoothly beside you. 
then collect your trolley from the top of the escalator and continue about your shopping. I was too afraid to try this contraption out for myself. It involves pushing the trolley through a small gate at the right angle so that it clips into the jagged grips that hold it in place. And that was not something I was ready to contend with for fear of causing a hold-up in the crowded supermarket. But mark my words, there is no way I'm leaving here until I've tested out this for myself so I can see just what we're missing back home. That's all from me for now, but I look forward to you joining me next week for another glimpse into Ashling's America. See you then! Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor.